Well, greetings to everyone in Jesus' name this morning. That's a beautiful chapter there, Micaiah. I had to think as we were singing, one of the verses here says, sing unto the Lord, and I had to think as we were singing together. Singing is such a beautiful way to, to blend all our hearts together. We're all singing the same prayer. Ever think about that? We're all praying together when we're singing, lifting up our voices to the Lord, all agreeing these beautiful words, coming into his presence with singing. What a blessing. So thank you for that chapter. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Well, what I have on my heart this morning for the opening meditation here is uh, maybe a bit of a, a request or an appeal, maybe a recruit. I'm not sure what the right word is, but Um, we have learned over the years that when I am asked to preach for a week that sometimes things, um, the, it seems like the enemy doesn't like that and things come up beforehand as we're planning and I'm preparing to go and we've seen it very clearly that the enemy seems to be, you know, putting roadblocks in in our way and as a family and as an individual and just there's a real struggle. There's a real war going on, I believe, as we think of what we're about to undertake. Me and Brother Dale have agreed to preach the word of the Lord for a week to, to the congregation there in Tennessee and whoever else travels in, but... You know, in the big picture, if we step back this morning and just think of the, in the heavenlies, we know Satan, it says that had they known that Jesus was the Lord of glory, they w- he wouldn't have crucified him, something to that extent. He made a mistake. He helped, uh, Satan helped, helped the gospel along when, 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 when he realized that What he did was a mistake by crucifying the Lord and having him shed his blood for the sins of all humanity. What a mistake Satan made, he realized, for his own agenda there. And, but, you know, he had tried to hinder that all along and and couldn't couldn't get it managed. But he still is trying to hinder the the preaching of the gospel today. And so he puts roadblocks in our ways along the way. And so I guess what I'm doing this morning felt led to do and a bit burdened to do is to talk about prayer and just see if the Lord would put upon any one or three or six or nine or a dozen people's hearts to get a hold of this thing and pray. 
That's my burden. And I'm trusting the Lord would lay that upon some people's hearts this morning. So with that, let's bow our heads for, for a short prayer. Lord, we come before you this morning. Thank you for this beautiful Lord's Day and that we have the freedom to gather together as a group and sing together, praying together in song, uniting our hearts together, becoming one in in song and prayer. And Lord, now we open the Bible to teach and to uh, bring a short devotional here this morning and hopefully an inspiration and a call upon hearts to pray. So, Lord, guide me as I, as I teach here this morning and, and uh, that you would meet our needs, Lord, here. I pray for the rest of the brothers that share here this morning. I pray you'll give them your spirit as well, Lord, and that together all of us would be, our needs would be met, our souls would be fed with the bread of life, Lord, this morning. God, open our eyes, touch our hearts, Lord. Give us a longing and a burden, Lord, for the things of God, for the kingdom, for the souls of men, for the preaching, for the clear proclaiming and prophesying of the word of God. Lord, we need you for this, God. And so I pray that as this meditation goes forth, your hand would be upon it, Lord. Your spirit would carry it to our hearts, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thinking about prayer this morning, I know it's nothing really new, but do tune in this morning and press in in your hearts and, and see what the Lord would maybe lay upon your heart. But first of all, just a verse. From God's perspective on prayer, God's heart, God's will, God's desire is for his people to pray. And he said in Matthew 21, Jesus said, it is written, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And that simply means that there was a place where God's people came together and one of the main reasons for coming together was to pray and supplicate the heart of God. Is it written, or it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. That's God's will for prayer. There's another verse that says, Jesus said, How be it, this kind goeth not out by, but by prayer and fasting. And we know that is in the context of, of uh, demons and, uh, and people being in, in bondage to demons. And, and Jesus said, This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. There we see the power of prayer. The first verse was God's will for prayer. Here we see the power 
of prayer. This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Perhaps this week as we go to preach or, or next a week from, from, from Monday when the meetings start, perhaps there are some people there that are sitting and are bound in the grip and clutches of, of Satan. And, and this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. The next one is the opportunity for prayer. It's, it's, so, it's so major. Jesus said, And all things, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, all things, believing, ye shall receive. The opportunity for prayer. And I think what this means is not just asking for every whim and wish that comes to our hearts, but I believe the, the context and the burden behind this is, is what we see in this book. We see promises in this book. We see how church life should be in this book. We see how the Christian life should be in this book. And that settles down upon our heart. And we say, God, this is what we want. This is what we need. And we hang on and we pray, believing. Ye shall have what ye receive. Ye shall receive. Make sense? Turn with me to Philippians 1 quickly. I'm going to try and keep this within 20 minutes if I can. So we're going to go fast here. Philippians 1 verse 19. And here's, the, this point is the power of teamwork. Here's where my appeal comes to, to you all. The power of teamwork. I know I, I'm going to preach I'm called to be one of those that stand behind the pulpit to preach, but without you, my dear brothers and sisters, I'll be powerless. Much, much less power there. But if we can all team together and, 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 and get under the burden of this, for in Philippians 1 verse 19, Paul told the Philippians this, For I know... That this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. What Paul is saying here, I know when you pray, I know when you Philippians pray, and can I say, brothers and sisters, when you pray, when you pray for me, when you pray for the work, when you pray for the preaching of, of, of the gospel, I know this shall turn to my salvation or it will turn to meet my need. It will give me what I need, if I can interpret it that way. It will turn to my salvation. It will, your prayers will bring what I need and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. We'll have plenty of need for the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ in those meetings in two weeks or in a week from Monday. The supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ through your prayers, the power of teamwork. Turn with me to Exodus 17. 
A beautiful, beautiful picture of teamwork here. Exodus 17. A fairly familiar story. It's a story where Aaron and her are holding up the arms of Moses. But I thought it would be good for us to look at this this morning. Exodus chapter 17. In verse 8, it says, Amalek, then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him and sat thereon, and he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Praise God. And the Lord said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissa. For he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. But here we see a beautiful picture of teamwork. <clears throat> Oh, it says when Aaron's hands, when Moses's hands were up, Israel prevailed. And when his hands were down, Amalek prevailed. Just think this morning with me. I take it from that, that while Moses' hands were down, there were casualties. Amalek prevailed. Because Moses' hands got weary, Amalek prevailed, and either they, they lost ground or they lost personnel, they lost soldiers, they, were, they, they, were, they retreated, whatever the case was, when Moses' hands were down, Amalek prevailed. So the reality of that was, if they lost soldiers, someone's husband didn't come home alive after that war. Even though in the end, Israel prevailed. But while Moses' hands were down, someone's husband didn't come home. Someone's father didn't come home to sit at the table anymore because it was over a time that Moses' hands were weary. What would have happened if his hands would have been up all the time? Would have been no defeat. And so I just ask us to think about that. Should there be any lull in our prayer chain? It, by this picture, there was defeat. There was, uh, there was retreat. And there was probably casualties. 
And that's, that's sobering when we think of it that way. Someone's father was killed. Someone's husband was killed. Israel lost some soldiers. There was, there was defeat there. Now turn with me to Ephesians 6 for our last text. We talk about this as spiritual warfare here in Ephesians 6 and the spiritual armor. For the sake of time, I won't read it all, but I think we're all familiar with it in Ephesians 6. The whole armor of God says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. It says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers, and the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And then it describes the spiritual armor there. And after the spiritual armor, in verse 19, it says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So just praying always. Praying always. Who will, who will allow God to lay upon his heart and her her heart, young or old, this could be a youth or anyone here, man, woman, who allows the reality of the power of prayer to come upon their heart. Praying always. No lull in the prayer. With all prayer. All kinds of prayer, prayers in public, family prayer, prayers in the closet, while at work, prayer on the way, prayer in the heart without words, prayer with the voice from the heart, prayer. Praying with all prayer, all prayer, and supplication. What is supplication? We have in Hebrews 5 there an account, you don't have to turn there, just a verse of where Jesus, I believe it's referring to his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane there. It says, who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. That was Jesus. Someone said it like this. There are three degrees of prayer. Three degrees of prayer. each surpassing the other in sublimity. You have prayer, you have crying, and you have tears. Three degrees of prayer. 
each surpassing the other in sublimity. Prayer, crying, and tears. And they're all three in that verse there in Hebrews 5, where it talks about Jesus. Prayer is made in silence, crying with a loud voice, but tears surpass them all. Who will supplicate? Watching, it says here in this verse, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching. This is what Jesus asked the three that were in the Garden of Gethsemane to do for him. And they didn't do so well. They fell asleep. But he said, watch and pray with me. And here we have it again, watching. Praying always with all prayer and supplication and spirit and watching thereunto, watching thereunto with all perseverance. And I like this description of perseverance. Always intent on your object. Could it be that you will have a burden for the meetings, for the souls that will be there, for those that might be in bondage? Always intent on your object and never losing sight of your danger or of your interest. The word implies stretching out the neck and looking about in order to discern an enemy at a distance. That's what perseverance means here. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I would refer back to uh, that, that uh, picture that we saw there in, in, in Exodus. There was a lull, perhaps, in the, in, in, in the, in the power of prayer when, the, when Moses' hands came down and Amalek prevailed. It's, it's sad when we think of the, of the, uh, of the casualties. In closing, what I'd like to, to say here concerning this passage here in Ephesians 6. <clears throat> Paul described all the different parts of the armor. He talks about all the, the different pieces that we can put on for this spiritual warfare. But then he talks in verse 19 about prayer. And, and I take it that's not really part, that's not really uh, necessarily one of the armors it is but it but he he goes on to say that on top of that we should pray and i as i meditated on this this came to me having on the whole armor of god without prayer is like saul's armor was to david clumsy untried and ineffective so we can have all this armor on and have all the equipment, have all the right equipment. But if we don't have prayer, it'll be clumsy, untried, and ineffective. Like Saul's armor was to David. And he said, you know, I don't know this. I'm not used to this. And he took it off and he took what he was used to use. So that's my appeal this morning for us as we look at going into this 
time of preaching and time of uh, seeking the face of God as, as their theme is, seeking the face of God. And, and you know as well as I do that Satan is not going to be pleased with that, but it's God's will that we pray. There's power in prayer. And so I'm just putting this out this morning for some perhaps to get under the burden of that and inviting you to join together with us as we labor in the word. I had to think of, of uh, <clears throat> that picture there. I'm not sure where I, in, in, in that picture, I'm not sure where I would be because if you're lifting up my hands, I'd be up on the mountain with Moses. You know, that's where he was. But I'm going to preach, and oftentimes I look that, at that as being down in the battlefield, you know, where, where the real fighting's going on. So I'm not sure where I will be, but it doesn't really matter. It really doesn't matter in all of this. We're all in this together is a point that I want to make. Whether we're up on the mountain in support or we're down in the valley fighting, we need each other. And I'm putting that request, that plea, that, uh, that uh, burden out there for some perhaps to take upon their hearts and to pray. So God bless you with that. <clears throat> Thank you.